Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Moon Knight. If you're Gus, then I'm the bloody Queen of Sheba. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Marvel's Moon Knight, Episode 1, titled The Goldfish Problem. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we strap ourselves to our bed and jump in a cupcake van, let me start off by letting you know that, you know, if you've listened to our previous watch clubs, this one is going to be structured a little differently. Uh, it's unprecedented for us here at Geekcentric to get four episodes of a six-episode Marvel series. So with that in mind, we've already seen four episodes, and therefore we're not going to really be doing much sort of speculation as we kind of you know, like to do on the show. Uh, so for our first three episodes, we've decided to treat these more like spoiler-filled reviews. Don't worry, we're not going to spoil anything. We won't be alluding to anything. We're being very cautious of that. Um, and then once we get back to episode four, we're going to move back to our traditional Watch Club format where we're going to be speculating and trying to figure out what's going on uh, in this amazing world that Marvel's given us. Um, and we might even bring on some special guests. Who knows? Um, so we're going to kind of use this Watch Club format for these few episodes to break down our favorite moments. Uh, and we'll still give a review score just like we normally do. Uh, but we're not going to break down moment to moment and, and ask questions that we might already know the answers to. So uh, with that said, let me introduce you to the other personalities joining me today. First up, he's a Marvel nut who's taller than King Tut. He's the Egyptian <laughs> jackal, Justin Lawrence. How are you? Happy to I be here. I looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I looked it up. You are taller. Yeah, no, I asked Justin his Nate, age. I think, you're, <laughs> I think you're taller than uh, King Tut. King Tut? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I don't think he was actually that tall. Whenever you think of King Tut, I don't know. I think of a tall guy. He was a, he was a young boy. He was no, he was mm-hmm. very very short. Okay. Well, listen, um that voice you're hearing, it's not some Egyptian deity. <clears throat> Let me clear my esophagus as he gets out of his sarcophagus. He's cooler than Khonshu, but if you make fun of his mummy, he's not afraid to haunt you. He's Kevin the Crocodile Hudson. I can't tell the difference between life and dreams, boys. I'm losing it. <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, I, I was gonna say, is it a full is it a full moon night for you tonight? Are you are you feeling the the mystical elements of this series? Every night's oh, a full yeah. moon night for me. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, for for everyone in your household, I'm sure. Well, and my poor neighbors. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, listen, um, <laughs> Hopefully your neighbors have been uh, keeping up on the latest Marvel series. Let's let's dig in uh, to this show. You know, I still kind of want to, again, as I said, it's going to be a different style of Watch Club for us just because we have seen four episodes and um, I kind of want to just kind of di- not necessarily dissect moment to moment, but we're going to go over big chunks of the episode so that it can still have a bit of, a bit of structure to it. So let's start with that cold open, uh, a very different opener for our Marvel shows. This one kicks off to the tune of Every Grain of Sand by Bob Dylan as we see Arthur Harrow performing some kind of painful ritual where he breaks some glass, pours it into a pair of finely woven leather Crocs, uh, and then puts them on with 
no socks on and begins to walk out of an ancient, decrepit building of some sort. What did you guys think of this as like our first thing we ever saw from Moon Knight? Well, it seems to really set up the precedence of, of pain. Uh, the idea of mm. pain and experiencing pain and whether that be self-inflicted or part of potentially, again, as you pointed out, a ritualistic belief. Um, I think, again, it was such a haunting sort of open with, with this pop culture song layered into this, obviously, what, what would be a very uncomfortable uh, situation of putting your shoes on with shards of glass in the shoes barefoot like you can hear it sort of rattle and crack as he settles in and his feet kind of balance in and the fact that it's arthur harrow only just kind of makes me wonder if 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 the the, this this whole thing is really about him in the sense well yeah i mean i I was originally going to say this like so much of this episode it's just a moment for you to go oh i wonder why that's happening only for you to never really figure it out but Justin, the yeah. way the way you brought up this idea of pain, and and what we learn about the 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 the, the, her, the character uh, Arthur Harrow's character, uh, maybe feeling pain is the way that he deals with things that have happened to him uh, previously. So that's that's really interesting, and maybe we'll touch on that as we sort of break things down a little more. Uh, I will just add, it's always a little weird when you get that amazing Marvel fanfare coming up on the screen without the Marvel song. Whenever they throw in a pop culture or a pop tune over top of it, it's always slightly weird, but I, I do like that they try to give shows different personalities by doing that. I also think, though, that that is another signifier of how different the show is. They do, again, as you pointed out, Kevin, they they have done it in the past where you know they put some sort of pop culture song over top of that lovely visual fanfare, if you will. Whenever we hear that fanfare now, it really does signify... MCU, the Avengers, the, the the that sort of centric universe, and I feel like again very purposeful to not necessarily lean into that to really say we're different, we're going to be a little bit outside of this whole thing. And I think it's it sort of hits uh, a few moments in this episode where we sort of get the juxtaposition of the fun, happy music with the really terrifying, um, you know, sort of really cringy like as i'm watching like shout out to the foley artist ian chase because justin you you said it like the sound of the glass like in his shoes as he's walking like i was cringing so hard like i felt it in my body and it just shows the level of of dedication to i think arthur's uh character and and his belief um and yeah and i think it just goes right along with that opening marvel fanfare to uh Engelbert Humperdinck's Man Without Love, uh, where we do get this sort of really interesting look at like this, again, lighter tone that's being juxtaposed with this very dark thing that we're seeing on screen. I loved it. I loved it. It was absolutely harrowing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a good name, one. His good. <laughs> is it? Well, because his name's uh, Arthur Harrow, Justin. So. Yeah, but. I get it. I get it. Okay. okay. I, I clearly am laughing. Kevin doesn't think it's funny. Um, but <laughs> no, I also. That was, eye, that was an eye roll. That was, uh, that was a, yeah, a silent a, a non- well done. <laughs> yeah. All our podcast listeners can hear your eyes really rolling. Just, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But also even just the significance of being introduced to, you know, um, Stephen Grant's character with this song, A Man With No Love, right? It, it really does, again, 
serve as a soft intro to the sort of personality we're about to be introduced to. Um, and I think, again, juxtaposing that with the song that we heard before about grains of sand, you know, from Bob Dylan, again, those are those are very, that seems very purposeful to Arthur's character, while the song that we then transition to feels very purposeful to uh, Stephen's character. Well, let's, let's get right to that, right? We meet Stephen Grant and we kind of get this breakdown, this scene where we see all the measures that he takes to sort of prevent his alter ego from having him wake up somewhere mm. other than his flat. And we see him leave a message for his mom, feed his one finned fish named Gus. Uh, and then he, you know, we see him rush to catch the bus uh, all on the way to Ooh. his very mundane job inside of the fascinating British Museum, uh, where we also meet Donna and security guard JB. Uh, so guys, let's talk about Oscar Isaac here and his colleagues at the British Museum. What did you think of our introduction to Stephen Grant? Uh, right off the bat, I know I know we're supposed to be focusing on our main character and 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 Oscar <laughs> Isaac, but Lucy Thackeray as Donna is oh. is so amazing. She's she's this quintessential dry humored British character, <laughs> like some, she's something right out of a Ricky Gervais show. Uh, just, yes, just dry Absolutely. humor. Everything she says is hilarious, and it's not meant to be. She's not trying to be funny. She's just, she just is because. And so their interactions here are fantastic, and and in in turn, that does a great job of sort of setting up who Stephen is as this meek sort of floundering. Uh, struggling to find his place in the world character. And so that, that was a great way to, to introduce us to him. Yeah, I agree with both points. A, Donna as sort of a, a comedy uh, to the to the show was, was a nice sort of tone. It, it, it fit well. And there's a couple other comedy beats that, that we'll see later. But, you know, the, the introduction to Stephen Grant's character here, it, it really does kind of establish the sort of coping that he has like he's in a very managing his mentality uh stage and that's easily established just in him waking up in his room like in just in that scene and you know he's trying to make ends meet obviously as we see that he gets to the british museum so the focus here is obviously on a character that doesn't really know himself he's he's very lost and he's not necessarily as conventional which feels different from everything else that we've seen of these new heroes and new new characters that we meet in the mcu well i think the biggest thing to that point justin is he doesn't have confidence he doesn't have confidence in himself in pretty much every aspect except for mm -hmm. his love and knowledge of ancient egypt and so i i do like that aspect of him i love how meek and cowardly he is um even just him being like he's just like okay with the broom salesman in front of his flat every morning he's just he doesn't he 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 makes enough of a, a, a you know a guff about it but he doesn't really he's you know clearly I mean? annoyed but he's not gonna do a damn thing about it and that <laughs> yeah, is exactly. Stephen grant in a nutshell just that's like the, that's just like you don't know moment. my name it's really bothering me i'll remind yeah. you but very softly <laughs> and in passing and just yeah. you know jb every single time just all right scotty all right scotty um and just with donna like yeah dude every time i think of her character i just think of the word cheeky like he's so cheeky like cheeky like like that is the voice that comes to my head every time and um yeah man so good i love how she uh crushes his dreams to be a, a tour guide and he was just like that's actually completely heartbreaking to hear like he's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. and i also love that his only friend is a statue man that can't talk to him <laughs> like that can't even tell him to stop it's so good 
Well, yeah, and, and you might ask, well, why not just talk to an actual statue? And it's clear he wants to talk to another human being about what he's going through, but knows nobody will listen. This statue character has no choice. He's <laughs> stuck there. That's He has no choice but to just sit there and listen, and that's all hey, Stephen but- needs right now. He just needs a, 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 a proverbial shoulder to cry on, an ear to, to talk to. That's all he needs. But it seems like he brought him uh, what 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 I can only assume is either a burrito or a wrap. I think he also gave yeah. him a tip. So he's still, you know, he's still that 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 guy still making some some good coin at the same time and getting fed to hear. Well, his, I think he brought him pralines. Didn't he? Didn't he say some pralines? Um, yeah, extra pralines. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Pralines. He brought extra and then pralines. He dropped- yeah. He got he got the couple that took a picture with him to also like drop off some coins and I love the idea that they probably just right. think that he's like his handler but he has nothing to do with <laughs> like he doesn't actually know him um man so so again he just plays the character to a point where at first you're like I don't know if I'm going to really get behind this character but he's so charming by the time you really dig into him throughout this episode I'm uh I'm all on board with Steven. I'm, I'm yeah. digging this this new mm-hmm. new version of an MCU hero. So um, we we kind of get back to Steven's flat and we see him struggling to stay awake and he's trying to diminish his nightly adventures, we'll call them. Uh, but clearly that, that doesn't work because the episode really picks up with some great action uh, with the sequence in Germany. You know, he wakes up, he discovers a cult led by Arthur Harrow uh, and loses control of his body. And then he steals a freaking cupcake van. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I I absolutely loved everything that happened in in Germany. Um, what did you guys think of kind of the the sequence of events that we got here? I I, I think the action was was definitely standout. Uh, again, albeit there was a lot of transitioning, which I I thought was very helpful to kind of introduce how we move between these two different characters one we we are currently anchored with which is Stephen Grant and whoever's on the other side obviously of of that and just to see some of the the sort of the the blood on the hands like this seemed very unusual to to sort of see in the MCU but it yeah. lend itself to being like you know kind of very much like it was moving forward in a direction in terms of how the action is going to be in this one well this was this was our first precursor to say we're we're almost not going to get any action in this first episode. Uh, I mean, it's it's remarkable to say this is one of my favorite action sequences in a Marvel project in a little bit in a little while, and we don't see any of it. And that is just such a fun twist on the idea of a well choreographed, mm-hmm. amazingly executed Marvel action scene. They 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 they're just the masters at it. And so the fact that we don't see any of it, but we 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 can feel it through the consequences that this character Stephen Grant is sort of you know like you said Justin snapping back into it with blood on his hands or uh, mm-hmm. you know the only thing we do see is a lot of dead bodies uh, between the ones that mm-hmm. that he, have been laid out by his own hands or like you said this log truck which kills I, I've got to say at least five or six people I mean we get some <laughs> serious death in this scene so I'm okay and I'm okay with that oh yeah man like just the 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 brutal way that they um, like off that old lady as well <laughs> you know like we get that moment with with Arthur Harrow and like I think that was the moment where I realized like wow, they are, they're going to go, like, the sweet old lady is just dead. And Ethan Hawke, you know, let's let's quickly talk about him here. Arthur Harrow is 
freaky man. Like he just the way he carries himself. He's like this all knowing cult leader. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, dude, when he yells in Egyptian to get everyone to kneel like that. Like I felt that to my core. And I thought that was a really, really powerful Mm -hmm. performance in that moment. And that really makes that opening scene that we see with him work that much better in that we're introduced to him without any dialogue, anything, just actions. And then when he comes in, even just that 30 second opening has established that this is, this is somebody that we should be worried about. And so he instantly has this presence as he's walking through this crowd of people revering him and, and basically, yeah, treating him like a God. And so that opening scene mixed in with his first real appearance here, that was really well executed and it, it makes it all make a lot more sense. Yeah, I think it establishes like the first scene is like we said establishes uh, a layer of uh, you know pain associated with this character, but also just the serene, centered focus that that Arthur Harrow has in this scene. It's it's very unnerving to see him how su- he's, su- such he's like too calm. He's exactly zen. exactly. Yeah. He's so zed. Yeah. He's zed, and he's got glass in his shoes. And I'm I kid you not, man. I thought I heard glass when he was walking. Like you could hear, oh yeah, you could hear it crinkling crunching. around absolutely throughout the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I think again, just just to know that that's in his shoes, and he, that's just weird. You know what I mean? Like he's he's it's he's freaky. unnerving. And and now let's not forget, guys. This was also where we first get introduced to Conchu and 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 this booming voice of F. Murray Abraham just sort of and and it's a very like wait, what's going on? We're as confused as Stephen is when we first hear this voice. And and that just does a great job to set this character up. And and he quickly becomes one of my favorites in the show because I, <laughs> I do think he is the funniest character just in his absolute lack of tolerance for any anything to do with Steven. Just he calls him names. He's just get this guy out of here, you parasite. Um so I loved everything about this introduction to that aspect of of the world. Yeah, F. Murray Abraham uh is from one of my favorite shows, Mythoquest. Uh, and he, he's such a better Venom than Venom. (laughs) Like, like this is a good indication of if we had gotten Venom in the MCU and we might still, um, this is, this is probably what I would expect to be honest with you, because it's still that same level of comedy, but it's, he still has a, the way they write the character, there's still a reverence about him. He's not, he's not too goofy and slapstick. He's pretty goofy, but it's funny. I never drew that parallel between those two characters, so that's uh, that's really well done. Um, I think I like Tom Hardy as Venom a bit more than you, Nate. But no, that's a that's a great parallel <laughs> that I hadn't really considered, and that even just adds even more to it. The voice was very rep- reminiscent, like of a, a very Disney friendly voice. You know what I mean? Like I, I could see mm. that voice on on a very Disney-esque character. Like you uh, hear it at the parks or something? Like, uh, exactly. Around you? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I could hear it as, a, like, as, as something like that. So, you know, again, I don't know if that's, that's a good thing or a bad thing. Take it, take it or leave it. But I, I think his, his voice had such like a commanding force to it and and that's obviously just just how he articulates his words throughout throughout this the scenes and absolutely he is he is funny uh i will say you called out a, a sweet old lady that gets killed i just want to call out the sweet old lady that was sitting in the truck that gave steve grant the finger <laughs> while yeah. smiling while he, she zoomed by that's i died old. laughing i died yeah. she's smiling and just yeah. like giving her the finger and i was just like i died laughing so i just wanted to shout her out real quick and it was also really cool in that sequence how 
you know, we see him driving um, forwards and and knocking off the 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 um, the the logs right from that truck, and then to see him, then he kind of blacks out. Which, by the way, that's the kind of mind bending, freaky stuff that I wanted ever since seeing the trailer. Is like the sort of being just as lost as Steven is. I thought that was fantastic, and I love how they carry that throughout this episode. But but just the the fact that they're so smart to then show him driving backwards, and of course the logs would come diving down, which means he would have had to have driven backwards almost faster than he was driving forwards to be able to meet them back at that moment was so cool. And I think you called it out perfectly there where he's transitioning through these different points. It's like Lost. Lost did that as well with their their show when they moved you from different time periods. So we know time, what have you? Yeah, exactly. We know time is, is, is sort of is transitioning here. So uh, it's 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 interesting that they're using a sort of auditory and visual cue that can kind of signify that. Well, and, and leave it to Disney. I mean, it's been almost 20 years now, but I think people who watched Final Destination 2 along with myself have ever since been afraid of driving near a log truck on the highway. And now they give us yeah. another scene to just fear and worry about log trucks on the highway once again. Like, way to, way to bring up a, trauma, a traumatic moment from 20 years ago in my life. Dude, I try to even just not even drive near normal trucks on the highway. So now if I see a log truck, I'll be staying far away from it. But if I do see a cupcake van, I am going to jump onto it in hopes that Stephen Grant will smash my face with cupcakes and then apologize constantly. Just Bro, just come back to so Toronto. I'll, I'll smash your face with cupcakes and we'll make videos. Let's do it. Okay, <laughs> let's make some videos. I'm sure we could make a lot of money on the internet. Guys, um, keep your OnlyFans <laughs> business to yourselves. <laughs> no, no, no. That's just in our dreams. In our Well, speaking of dreams, uh, we see Stephen wake up from his bed thinking it was all a dream. Uh, but then he notices that Gus, there's something different about Gus. He's got two fins now instead of one. Uh, and then he doesn't know what day it is. He misses his date. Uh, and instead, he eats a steak. Uh, and so then he heads back to his flat where, you know, I think this is really where we start to get the horror element of the show. Mm-hmm. And it really starts to show up. Um, what did you guys think of this sequence as we see Steven discover the cell phone, call Layla, and meet Mark for the first time? This scene at the restaurant is just such tremendous acting from from Oscar Isaac here. I just, I could yeah. feel his pain here. It was... You know, and just like the nervous laughter that's that's masking his his just absolute fear of what's going on in his life, plus also the disappointment that he's finally got this date with a girl that he clearly likes, and he's he's somehow blown it without doing anything. It was just it was heartbreaking, and I thought this is some of the best acting we've seen from him in the whole show so far, and in particular in this episode because it isn't the quirky side that's really making us sort of fall in love with the character throughout the episode. This was the opposite of that. And it was, it was really, really uh, sad in a tremendous way in terms of his performance. And mm-hmm. I loved, I loved watching a vegan order a steak. And he's just like the good, the good bit, just give me the good bit. Um, you know, and then kind of moving into the flat, I thought they did this perfectly. Like the, the, the way that they kind of subtly brought in, him discovering 
Um, again, not through any sort of exposition. He wasn't told. He just sort of saw something on the ground that clearly was indication that he had to move the furniture. And I thought they did that really, really well to kind of give this really natural method of him sort of discovering this other aspect to his life. I thought that was so well done. Yeah, well, it, it, it was it was it was a good sense of of how it led us into that discovery. This is it, this part kind of felt very born identity. Just this moment. Right. Where where I don't know if you've seen the original where he starts to kind of discover his identity and, and whatnot. So I feel like this was fun because we start to see that there is something about his personality that he is really unaware of. Right. Like he is not cognizant of what is going on. Well, and I will say just in the in our preview show, you mentioned that we were not really given any context as to when this show takes place. But I think we might have gotten an indication here in that oh. if he's using a Motorola Razor, that phone came out in 2006. So how does he have an adapter for a phone that he doesn't even know is his, uh, you know, unless that's just the phone that everyone's using at this time? I'm not about to say that this takes place at a time even before the whole MCU <laughs> takes place. But I did find it interesting that they that he was using such an old, outdated phone. I don't well, know that's, if there's any significance to it. That's well, that's that's a burner. That's a burner phone, and that doesn't really that I, to me. That's very oh, much what a burner okay. phone would be. So see, he I has tried, a smartphone. They have, and that we do see tablets and smartphones and stuff like that around. So I, I, I okay, okay. I think it's I think a flip phone is more of a burner phone that you can just toss and go. So kind of okay. So well, was that makes sense. Charger up in, was the I've, charger up in that hiding spot then too? Because it is plugged. Probably in it's a USB. It it's probably on, a USB. So. USB two. It's probably something that is fairly easy to well. To, just to manage, spoil all my theories. I, I, why don't you? I, I love it. I've you, had a lot you, of burner phones well though in the past. Well. So yeah, I, you know, Justin's I, I've got a very it. dark <laughs> CD past. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you want to talk about? But you want to, yeah. How did you know that so quickly? <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I did want to talk about the 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 moment that they really start to hammer home the concept of these reflections in this episode oh, and obviously him it. looking in the mirror and it goes dark and we get to get that slight glimpse of Mark. I was even throughout the episode, I was constantly looking at any reflection uh, going back and rewatching the episode. I think probably my favorite piece of cinematography, even though it doesn't necessarily do what I'm talking about here with like a, a reflection with, with Mark in it. Um, but it's the moment that we actually see him leave the statue man. He stands up from the, from the, um, the bench the water. and yeah, it's a the shot puddle. panning up from the puddle. The puddle. Like it's yeah. just so cool to really give you this sense of like going into this, this sort of um, alternate, I guess world. this idea of an alternate world. Right. And, yeah, and I just I thought this was so well done. The the cutting back and forth between the you know the scary lights and 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 getting to see that terrifying uh, sequence down the hallway, and then it just ends up being yet another sweet old lot of sweet old, lady. old ladies in this show. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good. <laughs> I don't point. know what the deal that's is. A with really that, good but, point. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I loved I loved seeing seeing this visual. Like again, this is a lot of stuff that has already been on the internet you know they, they released the this scene yeah. they put it in the trailers exactly so you know it's not a surprise to see it in context of the scene and the moment and how we build up to it um again as you said right at the top of when you were describing it this is where that introduction of of the horror elements start to really trickle in you know we, we've already gotten we're already getting a lot of like psychological vibes that already kind of skew a little more horror already but here we start getting those strong 
horror visuals, the dark hallway, the lights as they flicker, you know, just just creating more of a mood. I think probably some people and, and I'm, I know some people are going to go, oh, well, they could have gone way harder with the scariness of, of some of these moments. But I think it's the right amount so that it, it it still incites the fear, but it's not unapproachable. It's not something that's mm-hmm. like, you know, like audience members would be like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't think I, my kids should watch this. Uh, you know, if they are, you know, let's say 12 or 13 and stuff like that, that are into MCU, you know, again, it, it the horror felt the right tone that felt fresh for MCU, but on the right level, if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't take it too far. Um, I mean, you did mention that this scene is sort of almost given away in the trailer. Um, and so it, it didn't quite pack the same punch as I think somebody who hasn't seen that scene in the trailer would feel watching it for the first time in context, but it then does give you a pretty good jump scare to sort of cap it all off. Um, and so, so it, it did work and you're, and you're right. This is the perfect level that there might be some handholding as, as people are getting a little nervous here, but it's not too much to, to turn anybody away. And it's certainly, you know, for anybody, you know, worried that it might veer too far into this territory going forward, it's certainly, it never crosses a line. Uh, it, you're right, Justin. This is the perfect way, especially to introduce horror elements exactly. into our universe. This is a perfect way to start that. And I, I got a fun little tidbit here that I just recently read. Ooh, a tiddly which was, bit? A tiddly bit tiddly that bit. Oscar <laughs> Isaac um, actually got his brother to play his alternate self whenever he was acting against either Steven or Mark. So I thought that's pretty cool in the sense that, you know, we because I think it, it is such a difficult thing to just act off of nothing and then go back and then act again. So the fact that he got his brother in there, I think that's pretty cool. Shout out to, to Oscar Isaac's brother, whoever. Is it is. Isaac Oscar? Is that his brother's name? <laughs> I don't think so. I think you have the same last name, Justin, usually. Uh, okay, guys. So lastly, we have the sequence um, in the museum. Uh, Harrow has followed Stephen there uh, and is still trying to get the the beetle from him that he's he's been carrying around. Uh, and I love the reference to Avatar, both the blue yeah. people and the anime. <laughs> oh, the, yes. Like the, anime? the fact that they called out both. <laughs> yeah. Oh! I was so I was just yeah, so happy. I, I thought about of you. That. I thought of you. Hundred <laughs> percent, and it's brilliant. They got it out of the way. Now they can now they can define what Avatar means here. You know, and, yes. it, and it's not like they're inventing anything. So smart, but, you're right. But it's they're yeah. getting those those illusions, those jokes out of the way, and they're yes. doing it themselves. And Disney, so Marvel's so smart with that sort of thing, is that they'll yeah. poke fun at themselves so they can move on from it and just tell their story. Yeah, they normalize it of what an avatar is, but you know, drawing in that pop culture reference, I, I totally agree. That's super smart that they did that. And I know, I absolutely one million percent know that this isn't the case. But I'm just going to pretend like they're uh, they're putting a subtle bid in that they're going to buy uh, Nickelodeon's Avatar. Let's make it happen, Disney. Go, please, do it now, right now. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then, guys, we we kind of uh, get the sequence with uh, you know the Anubis creature chasing Stephen into the toilets, as they say in the UK, uh, where he gives up control, and we finally see Moon Knight in all his glory, pummeling the utter crap out of that dog man thing what did you guys think of our first look at moon knight in action well i'm just going to jump right in here and say you know yes they call it the toilets over there but where were the toilets it was just a long hallway of sinks there was no indication that there were other rooms there watching it twice i was like wait a minute there's no sign 
of a toilet in this in this washroom. What's going on here? Um, but that aside, uh, such a fun way. They they didn't give it all away yet. We get our we get glimpses of it, but we don't see any sort of full transformations. And again, we still don't get any actual action. It's all left to our imaginations. The illusion. Before, yeah. yeah, before he turns around, we get the first look at him in the costume episode wrap. That was, I thought that was just such a great way to instantly make me go, oh, I need more of this. Yeah, and again, a lot of this was seen already. This was the first look for Moon Knight. This was, you know, in in the teaser trailers and and so on. But again, in the context of leading into having that really profound moment where Stephen is talking with with Mark in the mirror, and it's like, let me take over. I can save us. I can, you know, and and that idea of of submitting and giving in to that other side. Um, I think that really sets the tone for what the rest of the show is really going to deal with in this sort of dichotomy of the two. Uh, so it, it, and the fact that mirrors again really play a huge part and will continue to, and, and, you know, as we already referenced the mirrors being so integral in just sort of the introduction and, and the sort of tease uh, of how there's like this sense of connectivity between worlds. It's, it's, it's very interesting. So well, uh, yeah, I want to shout out the, the VFX and the production design for this yeah. sequence as well, because Again, seeing the reflections, you know, yeah, they move at different times before they make their way into the bathroom um, or the toilets. Uh, but I, I also loved how they showed hieroglyphics on the wall, but only on the mark side of the mirror. And yeah. then as soon as Steven gives up control and we get the Moon Knight, they're it. glowing yeah. all around all him. Around. It's just, yeah. that is so freaking cool. And to sort of sit there and obviously, I, we, you know, when we do these watch clubs, I usually watch these a few times. Um, and so watching it back, I didn't notice it the first time, but watching it back, I was like, that is so cool how intentional that was. And so cool. Oh, looks love great. it. Um, yeah, his costume looks fantastic. And I'm just, uh, I'm excited to to get to, yeah, this this episode really did get me stoked to be like, okay, let's go. Let's let's watch let's this uh, this next let's one. Go. So uh, so I'm gonna just go ahead and jump into our overall thoughts and final score. Um, and for our final score for for this episode, I think we're gonna do we're gonna rate it on a scale of one to five face cupcakes. <laughs> so um, which I honestly like the more the merrier. I think that oh, I don't want to spoil 10, my rating, please. but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Justin, why don't you kick us off for this one? Yeah, um, I think we've said it. This this episode was great in that it really does hook you. Uh, I, I'm intrigued with all the mystery that this episode lays out and, and how it helps establish Stephen's character as this loof, you know, very meek, very, you know, lacking of confidence, you know, and, and also just kind of showcasing that him sort of coping with whatever's going on that we don't really yet fully understand. Um, in many ways, it feels to sort of victimize him and and also utilize him as as more of a tool as as who is what Stephen is in this episode um and i love the mix of of action with with the horror elements that we talked about and you know it really does all kind of lie uh, on on Stephen's mental instability here right it it just really does hammer home that and i think one of the biggest things about this episode that i love is that it just it it feels so entirely separate from everything going on in the MCU. I was mentioning in the preview show that that again, it there's there's just such a uh, a look and feel to this entire series that feels so outside and is branching off 
from the existing MCU uh, timeline that we we know, and that that's refreshing, and it opens the doors for for more things. So, you know, again, it hooked me. I'm I'm, I'm excited for for where we're gonna go. Um, so I'm gonna give this episode four out of five face cupcakes. Mmm. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. how about yourself? Uh, right off the bat, uh, I love how you, you said he's a tool. And I could just picture <laughs> Khonshu saying, oh, no, not this tool again. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but trying to give this episode a rating, um, it's really hard not to look ahead at, at some of the other episodes we've already watched and then compare to that. But I'm going to do my best here to just give this a singular grade based on this episode as an introduction to a new character, a new type of series. Um, and and in that regard, this show just does a solid job. It feels like we're on on repeat here. Every time a new Disney Plus show comes around, we're like, "Oh, Disney is they found another way to bring us an original, <laughs> unique uh, character and style of show." But it's because they keep doing it. Somehow they yeah. keep managing to do it. And I don't know a lot about this character, but. Uh, I know Darcy, our, our Darcy Hudson, our Marvel guru, uh, is a huge fan of this character, and so we've had chats about his expectations for what this show could be and what the character will bring. And and so far through this first episode, it's it's the kind of mystery and mysticism that we haven't seen really from the MCU yet. And I know we're going to get really into it with characters like Blade. Um, Kit Harrington's exactly. character from the end of the Eternals. This is this is starting off that sort of dark, psychic, magic, that sort of world of, of Midnight the Suns. Yes, and so like for this to be our introduction, I think it's the perfect way because they give us a character that is just so affable and likable in Stephen that we we feel his confusion and his his fear because <laughs> this would gen- genuinely be a terrifying world to just be thrust into without any control and so the way they balance all of those aspects is just so well done here uh i found it to be the right level of humor again they're going for a darker tone mm-hmm. but you know you watch something like the batman and i know they're going for dark and gritty but they sucked any ounce of humor out of it. Whereas here, they still found the appropriate times and the, the, the appropriate amount of humor to inject in this to, to keep it fun and light in a sense that, that works with the MCU. And so while we don't know how this is ever going to fit into the MCU, it still feels like it can and will eventually. And so hats off to just another terrific debut episode for a show and a character. Um, I loved it, and I loved... Uh, I, I know I mentioned towards the top of the program here, I loved all of the action that we didn't actually see, but it still felt like we did. That is such a, a, a cool new spin on on action in a superhero movie. Um, so yeah, I really, really liked it. I don't want to go too, too high here because you know hopefully the show will only go up from here. So I'm going to start off with a solid 4.2 out of 5 face cupcakes. Very nice. Yum, yum. Uh for me, honestly, I, I never know how to transition when we when we jump yum between yum our reviews. But yum yum, yum, yum works. works. Okay. Yeah. Moving uh, forward, yum yum all the way. And yum yum is my favorite of the three ninjas. So there we go. There, there we go. Uh, for me, tum tum. Is it tum tum. Uh, scratch uh. that. Scratch that. It never happened. Uh, for for me. Honestly, this was a really solid first episode. It kicks off with a great pace and really does a good job of holding off from giving us what we all want uh, in a way that was still really engaging. And I think Stephen Grant is played so well by Oscar Isaac. 
uh, and I found you know his bumbling idi- idiot motif uh, to be kind of a welcome change up for for our main characters in these MCU shows. He's the first main character that we've had in these shows who's really really not cut out for what he's getting into. You know, we got a little bit of that with with Kate Bishop sort of, you know, learning the ropes in Hawkeye, but but with this like he's he's really well, not cut out for this life. Well, just even on that stuff, like you you pointed it out really great. You said he has no confidence. You know, Kate yes. Bishop had confidence. She wanted to be there. I think Steven yeah. wants to run the other direction. He just he doesn't want to have anything to do with it, right? Yeah. So it, it's such a good analogy to look at the lack of confidence that he has and and how that's sort of portrayed through this episode. And he he's he freaking he freaking nails it. I'm I'm just I'm I'm excited that we get to talk about uh, more. I'm excited that we're back into the MCU. But um, I think this show and this episode specifically, getting the the freaky mind bending out of time and play stuff, is exactly what I wanted uh, ever since seeing the trailer. Uh, and I thought the sequence in the in the van and the museum uh, was fantastic. Um, so I I'm gonna give this episode. Oof, like again, I really loved it, but I'm I'm not gonna go all the way. I'm going a four point five out of five face cupcakes. I'm gonna save a little a little sliver of a cupcake for tomorrow's lunch. I think I'm <laughs> gonna just put it in my lunch. You'll bag. need more. Is that you'll need more? No, really, you think so? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, listen, that is. Come on. <laughs> Somebody who could only eat four and a half, Kevin. Okay, jeez. I'm reminded. Don't of judge that, me. I'm reminded of the episode of The Office where Kevin goes mini cupcakes. Cupcakes are already smaller versions of cakes. Where does it end? <laughs> and he's so serious about it too. Oh, he's angry. Anyways, that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, uh, and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, I'm gonna uh, here, Justin. Uh, look at me, Justin. Look at me. Look at me. I'm gonna hand control over to you. Uh, you're my personal deity, Justin the Egyptian Jackal, and I'm going to hand control over to you to let you, let our listeners know how they can reach us. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. I was going to say Facebook. Who the fuck uses Facebook anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Are you in an? You must be in a, an alternate uh, universe of some kind or something. Uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free review for Apollo Ten and a Half: A Space Age Childhood on Netflix. Uh, and we also have our uh, spoiler-free review coming up, uh, also on Netflix, for Judd Apatow's. The bubble. Also, we have our weekly This Week in Geek episodes where we break down the latest trailers and news from around the Geekiverse every single Wednesday with our most recent episode dropping, uh, I guess, today, uh, where we discussed everything that went down at the Oscars. Who took home the hardware? Who took home those golden statues? Speaking of golden statues, you guys, what a, what a, you know, full circle moment with the golden statue man anyways uh make sure to subscribe to us to get all that geeky goodness justin kevin thank you so much for joining me for this watch club and as we say later skaters, skaters. <laughs>